This is the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church for the work of ministry. Hope it will help you as well. Gloria brought someone with us tonight. This is, uh, this is uh, Snuggles. Uh, Snuggles is not something normally that parents would get. This Snuggles is definitely something that grandparents would buy, right? So uh, this is a stuffed animal that Gloria saw with a grandmother. Uh, one time it was on Easter clearance in a, what store was it, G? JCPenney? JCPenney was going out of, out of uh, business in Greenwood. And so Grandma saw it, and Glory just had it, you know, just all over it. Anyway, I think this was like $6 or something, right? It's as big as she is. But here was the deal. She said, she, she had this thing when she was little. She always wanted somebody to be in the room with her. And one day she looked at Amanda, because Obadiah and Eli, they share a room. One, one night she looked at Amanda, and she says, I'm just tired of sleeping in that room by myself. And she's like, well, I'm sorry, darling. She's like, you sleep with Daddy and Bubba sleep together, and y'all stick me in that room all by myself, is what she said to Amanda one, one night. And so when, when, when Snuggles came about, she said, if I, if I can get Snuggles and if Snuggles sleeps with me in the room, I will never, ever complain again about being alone. And I said, you promised me that. She goes, if that, if that bunny gets to be in my room, uh, she goes, I promise I will never, ever complain. I said, okay, well, then Snuggles can make it. And pretty much, except for maybe a couple times since then, she's like, yeah, well, Snuggles doesn't talk back. But anyway, this is Snuggles. So then Gloria asked tonight, she said, she goes, do you think we can bring Snuggles to church? I said, well, for what? She's like, maybe you need a sermon illustration. And I said, okay. So I was thinking upon it about in the last 20 seconds, how do we can put us, uh, Snuggles into tonight? And so, so this is what I've come up with, folks. Um, so you know how sometimes you just need somebody alongside you to continue to give you the strength to do what you need to do, right? Sometimes you feel like you're all alone, but if you just know you have somebody there beside you, it can give you uh, bravery to be able to go against the things that maybe you get scared about. And so in the same way that Snuggles provides that kind of comfort for glory to say, okay, I can, I can embrace some things that I, I get a little scared of because of that. Like in the same way in your spiritual life, you need a big, stuffy, stuffed animal rabbit, and that would help you out. Okay, maybe not that, but I do think that... Have all of you noticed this? You do better if you've got somebody beside you, right? If you say, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to pray, I'm going to memorize Scripture, and you do it all on your own, guess what happens? Over time, you quit. But if you know you've got somebody beside you doing the same thing, you know there's going to be a lot of encouragement to say, okay, I can persevere to the end. I can keep going. It's kind of like if you've ever tried to go to the gym and you're going by yourself. It's easy to hit the snooze button unless you know somebody's waiting there for you. In the same way, when we get these disciplines tonight, to know that somebody is beside you doing the same thing, I think can give you encouragement uh, and bravery so that you can continue on there and know I'm not alone in this. Does that make sense? Glory, does that work? Does that do okay? All right, come bring Snuggles back for her, okay? Make sure, she's because she's really heavy. She's been eating too many carrots. Um, anyway, so uh, with this, as we're looking on in this, if you got the handout, Distinctive Discipleship, we've gone through these last few weeks um, looking at, once again, all the different things that uh, as we look at in the scriptures about coming up with your own plan. So as you look through this, let me grab this real quick. This came... All right, we started off once again in uh, delight and Christ in you, the hope of glory, making sure that you have that uh, desire, first and foremost, for discipleship. The second week, we talked about disobedience, warning everyone, looking at the specific sinful leaning in your own life. Week three, we talked about doctrine, teaching everyone with all wisdom. 
Week four, we talked about development. Present everyone mature in Christ. And what are those areas that you need to grow up in? Uh, week number five, which are today we're going to look at discipline for this I toil. And then next week, we get to dependence, struggling with all his energy. Um, Daniel Gibson, who works on our staff here, he was the one who sort of created all those little different icons that you see. And hopefully you'll start seeing that picture of the Bible and go, okay, that's about doctrine and the, the, the prayer, obviously, person and whatnot to help you remember what these things are. But tonight, as we look at initiating discipline, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to get there in just a moment as we look at uh, what does it mean to initiate that discipline in your life. Um, in the opening paragraph there, it says, Paul described his work in discipleship as something for which he toiled. If that sounds like work to you, it is because spiritual disciplines require consistent, diligent effort on your part. In session six of Distinctive Discipleship, you're going to select the most vital spiritual discipline to strengthen at this time in your life. You will determine which one is best for your soul's health and get to work on it this very day. This discipline will begin to train the habits necessary for your discipleship. So uh, this morning, I talked about how scripture memory, memorizing scripture was one of the most important things that really ever, I guess, got underneath me that I, I started learning. And it changed everything for me, honestly. When I think back to those years ago and starting to memorize scripture, someone asked me, they said, do you still use those note cards? After I put those in the washer and lost a bunch of them, I had to come up with another idea. Uh, I use an app on my phone called Scripture Typer. Scripture Typer is a little app you can get that will help make sure you don't lose those verses along the way. Uh, and you can put up 50 verses uh, for free before you have to buy the actual version, that whatever costly thing. But I forget, it's a few dollars. It's worth every penny. Because what you do is, um, basically, on your phone, you'd have this list of verses that you're memorizing. And so, let's just say if we go to John eleven thirty five 35, again, which means Jesus wept, right? So if that was the first verse you were going to memorize... Um, what you would do on your phone is, it's not like you're, you would, you'd have a blank page and you would type in the first letter of each word in that, in that sentence. So I would go J for Jesus, W for wept, then I'd do a J for John, and then you do 1135. You type it in. And once you can do that on your own, and, and so obviously for longer verses, there's a lot more, but you just type the first letter of each word, and then if you get that reference, it says you've mastered that verse. But what I love about this app is once you've mastered it, let's say you mastered Jesus Wept today, in 24 hours from now, it's going to remind you that you need to review it. Okay? So let's say one day you had it mastered yesterday, that's great, but you need to remember it and review it in a day from now. If you review it in 24 hours, guess what it'll do then? It'll give you two days. Then it's going to go to four days and eight days. And so there's a bunch of verses that, once again, I memorized a long time ago that I may only review once a year. But um, some of you have been, you've had those verses you've memorized before, and you think, oh, no, I forgot that, right? And so this is a way that it sort of brings it up once again. So in that... I say that too, that there's different methods that you can use. So for some of you, um, uh, a lot of people that I know um, will like to read the Bible on their phone. I'll just tell you, even though I do scripture memory on my phone, I can't read the Bible on my phone for long. I, it's just, it's not the same to me. I don't know why it is. I guess I'm that much of a traditionalist. I like to have the, the hard, you know, leather bound copy in my hands. I like to have it there. I will read a quick verse on the phone or something if I need to, but I just like having that Bible open for me. But with that, you just need to figure out what works best for you. Whenever you figure out what this discipline's going to be, what works best for you, how you need to go on it. So when we look at this uh, next section, I want to consider uh, what are some specific purposes for which people discipline themselves and why. Here's what uh, this paragraph says, practice doesn't make perfect, but it does make progress. You can look around and notice people who are extremely disciplined for a variety of reasons to improve in certain key areas. 
what are some specific purposes for which people discipline themselves and why? And in your group, give a list of popular discipline activities with accompanying hopeful payoffs for each one. So at your table, when I, when I say go in a second, I want you to write now maybe a disciplined activity. This doesn't have to be something spiritual. This is something that people will discipline themselves to do. And then what's the hopeful payoff? When someone does this, what are they hoping will happen if they discipline themselves? Does that make sense? So at your table, I want you to come up with some, uh, just a few different ideas. So once again, probably not even the spiritual stuff, but what are some things that people discipline themselves for and what's the hopeful payoff? On your mark, get set, go. All right, as a group, what are some of the, uh, what are some of the disciplined activities that you talked about at your table? What's one, somebody? Exercise. Exercise. What's the hopeful payoff there? Health, feel better, right? Okay. What else? Showering? That's good. That's, that is a discipline activity. There is a hopeful payoff there, right? Okay. It is a very hopeful payoff. It's good. Something else? Schedule? Yep. So like a discipline activity, sort of putting that calendar together and schedule. So y'all know what those are? Schedule somebody? Okay, like, you know, you're sort of planning out your day and knowing what's going on. Some of you are like, what is this? You know, well, I'll think. That's right. Paper and pencil for you? Okay, good. What's something else? Yep. Eating, eating and dieting. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to eat this. I am going to eat that. Yep. Healthy marriage? Yep, there's some, absolutely, there's some things you say when I'm doing a practice to put that. Obviously, there's hopeful payoff. Yep. There you go. Calling mother at the same time every week, where I was going to say? How many of you mothers just love to hear that right there? Okay, some of you, like I see hands in the back going, all right, son of the year right there. Okay, so you let, uh, we're going to, but that is, there's very true. Now, here's the thing, um, everybody, there's stuff that you know is important, but if you don't discipline yourself to do, sometimes it, it's not going to happen, right? It's just not going to happen. And so sometimes you have to find yourself, how am I going to discipline myself to make sure that's there? And so there is a hopeful payoff. Like I, I, I'm wanting to provide this for someone or help encourage myself or, or something improvement there, right? Uh, underneath it says, many of the benefits associated with people's most prized disciplines are unfortunately short-lived. When it comes to spiritual disciplines, these activities do more than improve your life. They develop your soul. How many of you realize this? If you ever had a New Year's resolution and it made it to January 3rd, you did pretty good. Than, than, you did better than last year, right? Okay? You have these goals, right? And, and you really, really have good intentions. It's kind of like some of you know if you have a gym membership, you can't find an elliptical machine the first week of January. But come February, oh, there's freedom. You know, go anywhere you want to. Nope, where is everybody, right? Uh, that can happen and say in so many different ways. Uh, I, I realize this a lot of times, and I don't know if y'all have ever experienced this, I will do really good with exercising and doing stuff during the spring and the summer and the fall. Then it gets cold, right? And a lot of times I've noticed the progress that I made Recent months, I go all the way back to it, just starting it all over again. I don't know if y'all have ever been there or not. Uh, but so you can have these kind of discipline activities that you want to do, and I hope will pay off, but they are short-lived oftentimes. When we look at this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 tonight, we're going to realize uh, something that, they, that Paul's going to talk about, about what the spiritual disciplines are supposed to be in our life. It says the Corinthian church lived in a city obsessed with physical discipline. They loved athletic competitions, displaying their physical prowess. What Paul noticed in them was a willingness to discipline their bodies while neglecting to discipline their souls. Now, would you guys say that that somewhat applies here today? 
Sure it does. There's a lot of people who are very eager to do those things, even if it's seasonal. But let's look what he says, chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. There's some powerful statements in, in those verses, right? What Paul talks about. Look, I, I want to make sure that I'm doing the right things. Let's, let's unpack a little bit there. But when he says, um, don't you know that only one is going to receive the prize, so, so run that you may obtain it? He said, hey, look, if you're going to work on something, have a goal. <laughs> what is that goal um, that I want to get? As it regards the spiritual disciplines, can I just tell you something? When you come up with your plan, please, 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 you got to get more specific than this. You don't want to say, if, if, you, if you say, I want prayer to be the discipline I work on, don't define success this way. I want to pray better. What does that mean? I want to pray more often. That's subjective. You won't know if you hit it or not, right? So what if you said something like this? If prayer is going to be the thing that I am going to have 15 minutes in prayer every day. Something like that. Because at least as you start, you know if you hit it or not, right? You don't want to say, I want to read the Bible more often. Well, what does that mean, right? So you could, Because for you, you might say, I read it once this year. It is more than I did last year, right? Now, what's the goal? He says, you want to do it in such a way that you are going to do it to receive the uh, prize. Verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. So, so stop right there and think about this question, right? How is spiritual growth similar to athletic preparations and competitions? So when he says in this, an athlete exercises self-control in all things, do, do athletes that really want to win, do they think about when they go to sleep? Yeah. How much they sleep? Do they think about what they eat? Do they think about uh, what they do with their bodies and whatnot? Absolutely. They, they think about all of those things. So he's saying, look, an athlete exercises self-control in all things. They want to be able to um, get something. Sometimes you hear these stories of these Olympic athletes, and it is mind-boggling how they every moment of their day is scripted. Every calorie that goes in their body is thought of, right? They just they think through everything. Why? Because they, they got a prize that they're wanting after. So think about this. How is spiritual growth similar to athletic preparations and competitions? Let me just ask you. Do you think that if you want to do spiritual disciplines, do you think what time you go to bed might assist you or hurt you in that? What do you think? Okay, how many of you, let's be honest for a second, I don't want to show a hands, but just the Lord knows, right? You got all these great intentions to get up in the morning and read the word and pray and do all these wonderful things, and you stay up at night doing something, wasting time, Okay. Now, no, 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 like I said, don't, don't say that's me. Don't point at your spouse or your friend or anything like this here, okay? But sometimes, here's what I feel. If I stay up too late at night, I feel like the next day I am playing catch-up the rest of the day, right? So what happens is I want to get up at a certain amount of time. If I say, okay, 530 would be a great time for me to wake up. This is what I want to do. I want to wake up at 530, and then I'm going to spend some time in the Word and praying, and then I'm going to get some work done for the day, and then I'm going to go out there and run. And then all of a sudden, if I stay up late at night, 
just wasting time, that 5.30 might get pushed back to 6.30 or 7 o'clock, and guess what happens now? Something is going to go by the side. I'm not going to get to it all. And now I'm feeling like I'm playing catch-up, and I'm running ragged all day long just because of what time I went to bed affects the very next day. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, yes, that's my story, okay? Um, let me ask you an, another question. Is your schedule and the things that you're doing preparing yourself, can, can that somewhat set you up for success? Sure it can. An athlete is going to know this. Uh, I'm going to set the alarm for a certain time, and I'm going to move the alarm clock away from my bed so I just can't hit snooze, right? <laughs> I'm going to have to get up out of the bed and go touch it, and that way you're at least alert enough, and it's going to be harder for you to get back in the bed. Some of you are like, oh, I still can do it. I believe you, okay? But it's a little bit more difficult for you to do. Um, uh, they're going to say, I've, I've got my gym clothes out, ready there. My, my tennis shoes are by the door. I've set myself up for success so I can do it, and I can be ready to go. Can I just tell you that spiritual disciplines are a whole lot the same way? There's a lot of people who say, I can never get to spiritual disciplines because the moment I wake up, I start looking at stuff on my phone, and my morning just goes away. You know how to beat that? Put your Bible or your prayer list or your scripture typer as the last thing at nighttime, you put that on your phone and you close it so that when you wake up in the morning, the word is, is confronting you right there, first thing. Just look staring at it. you got to outsmart yourself. you got to start thinking ahead of yourself. If I'm going to be like this, let me start thinking. Because why? Athlete would do that, right? They would start thinking, how do I prepare myself for the next day to make sure? And so when we think that, that next question, what should that example look like in the life of the disciple here it is, folks. We are trying to think through how can I best prepare myself to make sure these spiritual disciplines are going to happen. So with that, if you were going to say, I'm going to make a, I'm going to start reading the Bible. That's the spiritual discipline that I want to work on. Can somebody tell me what are some things that you would need to start doing to prepare yourself to make sure that, that was a habit that picked up? If you were saying Bible reading is going to be the spiritual discipline I want to work on, what are some things that you would need to do? Anybody got some ideas? Yep. Yep. Set an alarm on your phone. That's right. Specific time. This is going to happen. So even, I love what you said, it might not be in the morning you do that. You might say, I'm doing my lunch break, but my alarm goes off at 12.15 to say, get in the word right now. Okay, great. Something else you can think of. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So, so get, get at home, either have a Bible study over dinner or after dinner, like kind of make that a plan. That's great. What else would you think? There you go. That's smart. I love it, Steve. Jackie's giggling over there, but I love it. Okay, no, it's, a, it's like so, so. So yeah. So so what happens is he said I have a, I have a chair that I like to sit in, and so what I do is I put the Bible in the chair and the remote far from it. So when I sit down, I'm more inclined to, well, I don't feel like getting up and getting that remote, right? And so what that is is saying, let me think through these things, right? Hey, if you're going to read the Bible, anybody want to think about this? Do you think you might need a plan? Yeah, what do you want to read? Not just going, where do I want to go today? It'll kill it. It'll kill it. you got to have a plan. I'm going to read through the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to read through the whole Bible, or I'm going to, whatever it is, you better have a plan or else it'll go by the wayside. Same thing for prayer. Let me ask you this. If, if prayer was going to be the thing that you're working on, um, how many of you have ever found yourself struggling 
to stay focused in prayer. Is there anybody? Just nod your head. Okay, yeah, that's right. So you're sitting there, and you're going, all right, I'm going to pray. I'm really going to focus on the Lord. And you go, and I wonder what we're going to eat later, right? It's like your mind just starts daydreaming so quick, right? So some of you to say, how would I do that? What are some things that you might start thinking on? How could you stay focused? Or maybe some of you would say, this is what helps me stay focused when it comes to prayers. Anybody have an idea? A list? There you go. A prayer list. What am I praying for? Here are the people and the things that I'm praying for specifically. And with a prayer list, that probably means, Phyllis, that you have your eyes open sometimes, doesn't it? That's okay, okay? It's fine to be looking at a list and say, okay, I want to pray for this now, and I want to pray for this now. It's good. What else might help you? Pray out loud. There you go. That helps me. If you're talking out loud, it's harder for you to daydream, right? Some of you go, well, you're supposed to be quiet. No, you don't. You don't have to yell either. You might, but you can say, let me open my mouth. Best thing for me to stay focused. If I will get on my knees and open my mouth and pray out loud, I stay focused. I'm not daydreaming as much. Yep. Yeah. Put earplugs in just to sort of drown out any other sounds. That's a good idea, right? Just to keep you focused. And so all these kind of things might help. You got one? A prayer journal is great, absolutely. So you're saying, look what God has done. He's answered this here, and it just sort of keeps you fresh. So you guys are seeing this, right? And so you have to say, if I want to be efficient in this, I better start outsmarting myself, because there are going to be some days you don't feel like getting up and going to the spiritual gym. Yep. So you want to set yourself up for success. It's also really good to have a mentor or accountability partner that says, did you go to the gym this morning? <laughs> Tell me what you did. Show me what reps you did today. You memorizing some verses. Recite it to me right now. Uh, Jesus wept. Okay, like what, right? It, it might be there again. That's fine. But having some people there with you. Turn over to the back side. It says these athletes competed for the glory of a perishable wreath, right? While it looked beautifully arrayed upon the victor's head on the podium, within days the foliage withered into frail and unbecoming stems. So I want you to think about it, right? In verse 25, he says that they do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable. So I want you to think back to these old Roman kind of events where you'd see this athlete standing on this podium, right? He is the fastest runner. He's the strongest person. And what do they have around their head? Christmas wreath, right? Basically, it's like a little wreath they put on you to say, this is the winner. Well, what happens to that? Especially back in the day, they weren't going to Hobby Lobby and getting the fake plants, right, for make a wreath. This was a real wreath. This was real leaves and branches. And what takes place for that wreath? In a few days, what happens to it? It just dies. It withers. And so you go, well, here's this brittle little thing that I got to show that I was the best on one day, and it goes away. There's a good sign of how much of a shelf life any kind of thing in this life we work for is, right? He says, so, so he goes, that's a perishable wreath. So how does that relate to worldly disciplines, folks? If you put all of your life into working out, guess what's going to happen one day? I don't care how good you're at it. Is your body always going to cooperate with you? Always going to look the way that you want it to look? This is a problem. I, I, sometimes I want to tell people uh, that especially uh, teenagers, college students, 20-year-olds, I want to look at them and say this. You're not always going to look like this. You're not always going to feel like this. In fact, it's going to get anything. If it's going to happen, anything's going to happen, it's going to get worse from here. Okay, like you want to just tell them that, not to discourage them, but to say, look, no, your body, even if you feel like, man, I am working so hard on it. Listen, the times when you work hard on it, you, you, you find yourself getting an injury, right? And things aren't the way they are supposed to be. And it's, it's perishable. It's a wreath. Any kind of discipline in life, you go, wow, look at this. It is perishable. 
You think about another discipline that people have. Some people are so disciplined that I'm going to save all this money and I'm going to make sure I do this and blah, 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 and I'm going to get ahead of everybody. And then one tragedy hits. And what happens to that whole financial system that you were working on? It can be gone. Perishable wreath. Perishable wreath. So does that mean you don't need to be disciplined in it? No. It just means you better not put your hope in it. Any of it is perishable in there. And so uh, when you, you look at it, how can spiritual disciplines receive imperishable wreaths in contrast? What's the difference about spiritual disciplines versus worldly disciplines? So my, if you think about it, they're eternal, right? So if you get into something that causes your soul to develop, that doesn't leave you when your soul goes on to be with Jesus, right? That continues there. It's something that's so very powerful. It is, it's not perishable. So look at that verse again. Um, verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we in imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. So he's going, I'm not just running just to run. I'm not just boxing, beating the air. I've got a goal that I want to work on. I have a goal. So um, somebody asked me, um, when, I, when I started memorizing scripture, where did I start? I'll tell you, the first two verses I memorized in Japan were Acts 20.24 20, and Galatians 2.20. Acts 20.24, 20, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify solemnly to the gospel of the grace of God. I wanted that to be in my life first, right there, okay? Second verse, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now, I haven't looked over those verses probably in a year from now, but 20 years ago, I, I put those deep down in, and they will not go away. After that, you know what I did? I looked at the weakest areas of my life, and I started finding two to three Bible verses to combat them. That's what I did. This is where maybe your discipline and the area of disobedience kind of start working together. What are some of the areas in your life that you need to be memorized on a daily basis, right? You know what area Satan's going to come and start waving that carrot in front of your face. You need to have some verses memorized to be able to go for it. What did Jesus do when Satan tempted him? It is written, it is written, it is written. Quoted scripture to him over and over and over. He had memorized the scripture so much that he was prepared in those moments uh, to embrace that temptation. And so for this, you're not just running aimlessly. You're not boxing it as one beating the air. So you might say, okay, here's the specific things I need to do. I'm going to memorize scripture in this area. Or you might say, I want to do Bible reading around this uh, particular topic. It it's, has a purpose uh, intent on it. So, so you start working, and what's beautiful about all these disciplines is they start to develop a little bit. I thought I was doing really good in college. I started memorizing these verses. I got about 100 verses down underneath my belt. I'm like, I'm really good. And then I met somebody, and guess what they were memorizing? Chapters and books. What? What do you mean, books? <laughs> you talking about like the small ones, like Obadiah or Jude? No, no, no. They're memorizing some big books. I had a friend of mine who was memorizing um, the book of John and the book of Romans. Those are some big books, by the way. Here's what, his, here what his thinking was. I'm planning on being a missionary in a closed country, and so if I get put in prison, at least I have those two books in my head. They take my Bible away. They won't have taken my Bible away. I'll have it. And that's what he's working on. And so with that, you start going, all right, I, I, you know what it's like? You, you start going to the gym, and you start, you know, using those little machines, and you got a couple of pounds on it. You're like, man, I'm doing really good. And then you go to the other weight room, 
And there are all those beefcakes that got muscles in their necks and stuff, you know, just bulging and going, what in the world? I didn't even know they came out with, with barbells that big, right? But here's the thing. You start low, right? Nobody jumps from this point to that point. Start with a couple things, and you start getting it underneath your belt and start looking and, and seeing how this can happen. So you're not just doing it aimlessly. You've got a purpose. You've got an intention. You're thinking what's most important. Um, verse 27, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching others, I myself should be disqualified. So he says, this is part of me disciplining my body. I want to work hard to fight against those impulses. And that's why these spiritual disciplines are so important. Can I tell you that the discipline that I worked on uh, last year uh, was so challenging for me. And, and honestly, it's one that I, I've got to continue working on. In fact, it's on my to-do list tonight to, to pray about and think about. Um, fasting is never something I'm ever going to get to. I'm never just going on a Tuesday going, you know what I feel like doing? Fasting today. That's what I want to do. I love food. I, I mean, y'all, y'all may think, okay, well, yeah, you're, you're supposed to, right? No, no, no. Like I, I can throw down, okay? So I'm never going to wake up in the morning going, oh, I just feel like denying myself food today so I can pray more. It's not going to happen. So what do I have? I, I heard somebody one time who said, just make it a plan once a week to at least fast one to two meals a week find a breakfast and a lunch where you just say you're not going to eat at that point. Just decide which day of the week it's going to be. The only problem is, this is where I struggle. I have a lot of people who I do counseling appointments or meetings over lunch. Hey, can I meet you on lunch break? (laughs) Supposed to be fasting, right? Okay, it's kind of difficult, right? I don't want to look at my wife and say, oh, you've cooked me this meal. I love Jesus too much to eat what you've cooked. Now I'm going to eat it, okay? So, but, but here's the thing. Like, I never really could find a good rhythm of it until someone said, Pick a meal or two meals a week and just decide. Tuesday morning and Tuesday lunch, just don't eat. And what do you do? Every time that hunger pain starts hurting, you go and pray. Take the time you'd be eating lunch from 12 to 1 and go somewhere and pray and say this, God, I want you more than that next meal. I want you more. Please teach me. Please put a longing in me for the way that I long for food right now. Now, um, you talk about that is one discipline, which once again I would say, I don't know if I'd encourage anybody here to go to unless you've really worked through some of the disciplines of prayer. Because you know what's going to happen? You're just going to be hungry, and you're going to be mad, okay? You're just going to get... So I'm not letting you off the hook here, but I'm saying you start developing some of these, and then eventually you, you might get to some of this other stuff. But he says when you discipline your body, you're saying no to impulses and saying, my soul is more important than my body. My soul is more important than my body, so let me work hard on doing this. Because I don't want to be disqualified. So now I want you to look at this discuss uh, section for a second. And who can we imitate from the Bible? Uh, at your table, you're going to have this, this set of instructions. I'm going to give you a few minutes to do this. It says, look at these following passages and fill out the chart together, reading these biblical examples. After reading each section, write out the name of the individual, the discipline you see employed, and any descriptions that speak of how they use these disciplines. So at your table, you might, uh, if you've got five people, you may want to give every single person a verse. So one person look up Ezra 7.10, another look at Psalm 119.11. So sort of split that up, and in this, you're going to find who the person is, what the discipline they're doing is, and what's the description that you see used about it, okay? What's the description in that verse that you see about that current discipline? So um, the person whose birthday is closest to now, you're the team captain, so figure out who's, how are you going to do this, and I'm going to give you a few minutes on your mark, get set, go. First verse, Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Who is the person that you're reading about there? Anybody want to take a wild guess? Good job. That was an easy one. Okay, Ezra, what was the discipline that Ezra was doing? 
studying the Bible, right? Studying the Bible? Yeah, well, what, what description does, does that verse sort of say about the way he studied the Bible? Yeah, so he could teach, right? He wanted to learn it so he could teach. I love the fact that it says he set his heart to do it, to read it first. You know what that means? Back in those days, did the heart mean the ushy-gushy emotions of the person? Nope, it was the center of the will, the decision-making organ is the way they thought of it. So when he says he set his heart, you know what he did? I'm going to read the Bible. Why? Because you feel like it? No, I decided I'm going to read the Bible. That's why. So he set his heart to do it. He wanted to teach it. Uh, that's great. Psalm 119.11. All right. What name do we have? Anybody know? Can we kind of assume David? Some people say, uh, like I said, as the psalmist, the author of David, some of them say David, uh, some would not. Um, I had a great question about what's that word Aleph over verse 1, if you saw that. Um, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it is written as a Hebrew acrostic. Okay, So Hebrew is the language it's written in, and each stanza starts with the next character of the Hebrew alphabet. So their, their letters are Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleph, and going on from there, I, f I forgot the rest after that. But So basically, like verse 1 starts with what their letter A would have been, and I think verse like 8 is like what their B would have been. And so this, this guy who wrote this, he's putting all these things together and sort of writing about it. Now, what's the discipline in verse 11 that you read about? Memorizing the word, right? I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not what? Sin against you. That's the goal. That's why we memorize scripture. I don't want to sin as much anymore. So that's why. So what are some descriptions that we see from that verse about that discipline? New God's commandments, right? Yeah, he wanted to fight against temptation. What else? Yeah, you want to have it close by internally, right? Because you don't know. Temptation does not normally set an appointment with you. You've got to be ready for it, right? So, um, all right, Daniel 6.10. Who's the person? Daniel, what was the discipline? Praying. How many times a day did he pray? Three times. What description do you, do you get from that verse? Besides the three times, right? Anything else? He, did, he included Thanksgiving in it. Great. What else? I'm hearing stuff, but I can barely hear. Say the way in. On his knees. That's great, right? Hey, and some of you also know what the, the context of this was, right? Everybody was told, you don't pray anymore to your God. Only pray to the God of the culture and the king and whatnot. And Daniel goes, oh, okay. What, how did he pray in his room? What did he do with the windows? I'm not scared. I just open them up. I'm going to pray that direction. Why? So he says not to pray. Okay, well, I got an appointment to pray in a little bit. Let me open the windows up and make sure that everybody knows this is what I'm doing here, right? Um, Luke 2, 36 through 38. Who was the name of the person? Anna, right? Okay, what was the discipline? She had a few in there. Fasting, worshiping. She was, she was just having, honestly, church attendance, right? She's there all the time. She's praying. What are some of the descriptions that you notice about her? Yeah, she cherished Jesus. She was looking for him. I love the fact that she says she did not depart from the temple. Now, we, now we will kick you out tonight. I'm not going to be honest. Okay, we will kick you out. But she, she's praying day and night, right? She's fasting. She was eagerly looking, waiting for the Messiah. Eagerly looking. What about Mark 135? What name do we have? Jesus. What was the discipline we see? 
praying, and what description do you find about his prayer life? Went to a quiet place, solitude. Early in the morning. Uh-oh, someone was like, oh, come on, Jesus. Why did you do that, right? Um, let me ask you, if you look at that verse, did it seem like Jesus had a preferred time of day to pray? Did it seem like he had some favorite places to pray? Apparently he did. So I think there's something special about, I always talk about the scheduled times of prayer and the spontaneous times of prayer. You need to have the spontaneous times of prayer, but I think they happen because you make scheduled times of prayer. This is the place and the time where I'm going to get on my knees, I'm going to go to war, and then what happens is the other time it sort of happens. It flows out of that. Now, I love this because here are five good examples of five people in the Bible doing spiritual disciplines. I love the fact of Ezra setting his heart to study God's Word. Uh, the psalmist talking about, I'm going to memorize God's Word. Daniel, I'm going to pray regardless of what anybody else does. Anna was sitting there going, I'm going to worship and fast and be in, in, in religious worship services. Mark 135, Jesus himself got up early, got away from folks, and got on his knees to pray. Do you know in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says that Jesus prayed all night one time before making a major decision? He was about to choose which 12 disciples were going to be his. Now, I want to ask you a question for a second. Do you think Jesus, being fully man but also fully God, needed an entire night of prayer to go, do I want Peter or do I want Bob? I can't tell, God. Do you think he had to pray all night to figure out what 12 God had called to be a disciples? I don't think he needed to pray all night to make that decision. So then why would Jesus pray all night to make a major decision? To set an example for us? And you go, oh man, <laughs> somebody have to stay up tonight, right? I'm not saying you have to do that necessarily, but why would Jesus do that? If he didn't have to, to take that time in prayer to make sure that he got it, why was that important? Because set an example saying, if you're about to make a major decision, you better spend some long time in prayer. I mean, some long time in prayer. Don't, don't rush past it. Really work hard and, and do that work of, of speaking to the Father. I think it's important. When Jesus was asked uh, in Luke 11, verse 1, Jesus, teach us to pray how John Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. And what does Jesus then say? Oh, omnipotent God of creation and magnificent and mighty, immutable, majestic God, omnipotent. Is that what he said? What did he say? Father, our Father, our Abba, our Papa, and go, aren't you supposed to use some big holy words? <laughs> yeah, if you don't know them. Now listen, he says, our Father who art in what? Here's the, here's the balance. He's my dad, but my dad's address is heaven, okay? So I'm not just going to talk flippantly to him. Some of y'all know, you don't talk flippantly to your father anyway, right? Your earthly father. You better make, what up, dad? Like, he'll, he'll, you know, that may not be the most appropriate way to do it. You still want to show some respect, right, when you're talking to your father. The same way, should you talk to your heavenly father with respect? Sure. Our father who lives in heaven. My dad lives in heaven, and he wants me to talk to him like he's my dad, but my dad who lives in heaven. It's this intimate relationship, but also acknowledging how powerful he is. All at the same time, all at the same time. And so here's the thing. I love the fact of when Jesus taught us how to pray, he wasn't praying in the sense of like going, well, I need this. He was saying, you guys do, so let me show you how. I love the fact 
that when God created the heavens and the earth, he created everything in six days. On the seventh day, he did what? Rested. Did he rest because he was tired? No. All he did was just talk. <laughs> Space. <laughs> there it is. It's like he's not worn out. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, The everlasting God does not grow tired or grow weary. So why did he take the discipline of rest? Because, as an example for us, because he knew that we would need it. He wasn't tired. He knew he would be. So here's the discipline to put in your life. So some of you, honestly, right now, you know, this, is, this was a big one for me a few years ago. I had to work on the discipline of rest and Sabbath rest, meaning I need to take one day a week off and just stop trying to be so busy and important. Just stop it. Stop having to go, I need to check emails and do this, blah, 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 because the world's just revolving around how important and how busy I am. Or does the rhythm of this is to work really, really hard for six days and one day just stop and enjoy what God's created. Slow down. Is that the rhythm that God's wanting? Can I just tell you, for some of you in this room, including myself, it is discipline to rest. It is discipline to unplug because you are just prone to be busy and active and going and going and going, and that is very comfortable for a bunch of us Marthas in this room, right? And sometimes we just got to turn into a Mary and say, calm down and just rest. You are not that important. <laughs> the world is not revolving around your schedule and your calendar and your to-do list. You just need to unplug. And some of you, the discipline of resting is a hard thing. Some of you right now, you go, you mean God Almighty wants me to take naps? I love him even more than ever before, right? Okay, like you may think that, but here's the thing. It is true, folks. God wants you to work, but God also wants you to rest. And so we see these wonderful examples in the Bible, and there's plenty more, but the people who live these disciplines out, can I just tell you that if you look at um, Ezra, for example, Ezra is going to be the guy that is going to lead the people to learn how to worship God and to learn from God's word again. And it was all contingent upon the fact that he decided he was going to study it himself first. The psalmist, I mean, when he wrote something thousands of years ago, your word I have hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. That is literally written back in Israel thousands of years ago, and people in Greenville, South Carolina in 2019 are still talking about that verse and impacted by it. Now, that, he doesn't write that down unless he's doing it himself. Daniel, do you think Daniel just decided to be defiant and rebellious? Oh, you tell me I'm not going to pray? I will go pray. That's just his custom. That's what he did, right? So these disciplines that you do when nobody's looking, they show up when all of a sudden life hits and they starts coming at you. I want you for a second to evaluate these last little things here. As we've looked at before, what will be the next spiritual discipline you begin to strengthen? What will be the next spiritual discipline you begin to strengthen? As I mentioned this morning, for some of you, if Bible reading is not regular in your life, I would encourage that because every good work comes from if you really study God's Word. You will get to it. You'll get to fasting. You'll get to giving. You'll get to all types of things there. But what's the next spiritual discipline you need to begin to strengthen? And then that follow-up question of what process will you use and what resources will you need? So when you think through what that next discipline is in your life, um, how many of you just feel like, yeah, I know exactly which one it needs to be? Or some of you are like, oh, I'm trying to narrow it down. But once again, I would encourage, figure that out, narrow down that list to one item, and then look at it and say, so what are the things that I'm going to need to do? Have a plan in place. If you're going to read the Bible, 
have a plan. If you're going to be praying, make sure you establish some type of plan. Think a little bit differently. Don't get boring in your prayers, okay? Uh, scripture memory, what's the plan you're going to do? If, if for me, once again, I have an alert on my, my to-do list every Sunday night. Pick what day you're going to be fasting, okay? Now, I say that um, knowing that what Jesus' words are, he says, when you fast, don't go around looking gloomy, right? So if, if you see me, and I'm just going, I'm just sorry, I'm feeling a little peckish right now. I'm just I'm fasting for the Lord. <laughs> Jesus goes, congratulations, you just got your reward. People think you're spiritual. I'm not listening to anything you're doing, but they did. Okay, way to go. You got it, okay? So, so whatever it is, you, you follow the words in those kind of things. But I know this, I've got to have reminders in my life to, to do the things that I prioritize. I should love Jesus enough that I do these things naturally. I'm just not there yet. I'm not there yet. So I'm going to practice these things. I'm going to immerse myself in them, and I'm going to make progress over time. And so every day in my life, these are the things that I try to do every morning. I'm going to, I'm going to share this in close. Um, I got four uh, lists on my to-do list that happen every morning. Uh, one at, by 7 o'clock and whatnot, I want all four of these kind of checked off. If they're not checked off, they're glaring there in red for me every day until I get them done. Okay? So the first one is read the Bible. Second is pray a psalm. Third is review scripture memory. And four is pray through your calendar. Those are the four things I try to do every morning. Read at least a chapter of scripture through something I'm studying. Read at least a chapter of scripture. I'm going to study it. Uh, two, pray a psalm. Y'all know I talk about that a lot. Find one psalm and I'm going to pray through it, whatever the day of the month is. And I, if it's the 19th of the month, I'll be praying Psalm 19 or something like that. And I just read it and I start praying through it. Three, I go through and I look through any verses that I need to work on. Right now, I'm trying to work on a passage of Scripture that I'm memorizing, and it is hard. Oh, my goodness. I felt like I made progress the other week, and I'm back behind and forgetting a couple of the verses. Need to go back and review them. And then the fourth one is, is I pray through my calendar. I, put, I pull it up and say, okay, I'm doing this today. I got an appointment with so-and-so. I got this going on. I got this meeting, and I'm not going to pray 15 minutes over my calendar. I'm going to say, all right, I'm meeting with so-and-so. God, will you please give me wisdom in that meeting? I don't know what's going on, but give me wisdom right now. God, as we meet as a staff together, we've got to figure out how to do this. Can you take our time and make it timely today? Make sure that I'm on it. Keep us from distraction. And Lord, when I'm doing this, it's just going through, just praying through everything. And then when you come up to that appointment, guess what happens? You feel like you've already invited the Lord to the fight, right? Or what you're going into, and you're going into it with spiritual eyes. Now, that, that's what I do. And once a week, try to find a time to do some fasting. But once again, and all those things, I don't hit that regularly. Not all the time. There are days where I mess up and I miss it. And here's what I, I want to encourage you to do. We are people who are bent and determined to best our personal streak. So a lot of people have heard before, if you do something for 21 days, it becomes a habit. So just read the Bible for 21 days, and you'll never miss a day the rest of your life. Some of y'all did that, and then day 22 proved that theory to be wrong, didn't it, okay? You were doing good, you are doing good, and all of a sudden, you went back. Here's what happens a lot of times. If you've got a Bible reading plan, I'm going to read through the book of John, and you made it six days, and then you miss a day. Let me tell you what most of us do. Well, I just need to quit. I can't even be faithful anymore. And you just quit. You got six days in, and you missed one day. You know what's the best thing to do if you miss a day? Read the next day. Do I need to read two chapters? What if I miss 33 days? Do I miss 30, 33 days? No. Just pick up tomorrow and start. His mercies are new every single morning, right? Don't try to get in some personal streak of holiness where you've got so many days under your belt, and if you mess up, you just give up for a couple months. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, Proverbs tells us that the righteous man falls down seven times and gets up every time. 
That's what he does. That's what the righteous man does. I go, that sounds like an unrighteous man. No, no, no. It's one who gets up every time. So in this, you're not going to hit it all the time, but work at it. Go to the spiritual gym and see a difference happen in your life. Father, tonight, as I send these people out who I love so dearly, God, I pray that you would, if you have pinpointed those areas in their life, and one area in particular that they need to really work on in their spiritual disciplines, God, I pray that you would give them the desire, the motivation, the excitement to see it done, to get the resources and the people in their lives to make sure they do it well, and God, that there would be growth in their lives exponentially in the months to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, folks.